Hello, hello. Welcome to the AC Visions Family Talk Podcast. I'm your host, AC. Here is where we discuss all things faith and family. I share real life stories of home life as a wife, mother of five, home educator, and all the learning curves my family and I are journeying through. As you can imagine, we're in a busy season and I have a lot to share. The goal, getting back to the basics of raising strong families. Let's talk about it. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 19 entitled The Wise Wife. Y'all, this is the final episode of season two and I'm excited and terrified. (laughs) Excited because we're wrapping up season two and I'm already working on season three content, but also terrified because God got a hold of my heart and I have to share how he stabbed. I mean, how he pierced my soul. You know how you pray for one thing, but then God totally unearths an area of your walk that, that was not even on your radar. And he totally dismantles what you were praying for in the first place. Well, that happened to me. God answered my prayer by getting a hold of my heart in such a way that terrified and purified some things. And I have to share it with you. And it's not going to be easy because it's still fresh. It, it, It still hurts a little bit. Uh, My heart is still tender from the blow to my soul, but it's a great tool for the legacy box. It's definitely a, a healthy reminder of where our focus should be when it comes to our faith and building strong families. There's only going to be one segment for this season finale episode of the ACV family talk podcast. I only have AC pearls for you on this episode. So let's jump into it. First Samuel chapter 25, one to 42. Yes, I'm basically reading the entire chapter. It is too juicy. I can't choose which verse to read from on this season finale. It's too juicy. We need context people and we cannot break this down and talk about the wise wife. If I don't read the whole chapter, we have to get into it. The whole story. Let's do it. Buckle up buttercup. Let's go. First Samuel chapter 25. Do you like how I say buttercup? <laughs> I say that to my girls when we get in the car. Buckle up, buttercup. So even when I'm angry, buckle up, buttercup. Let's go. <laughs> all right. Samuel chapter 25. Then Samuel died and all Israel gathered together and mourned for him and buried him at his house in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel and the man was very rich and he had 3000 sheep and a thousand goats. And it came about while he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the man's name was Nabal and his wife's name was Abigail. And the woman was intelligent and beautiful in appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his dealings. And he was a Calebite that David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent 10 young men and David said to the young men, go up to Carmel, visit Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say, have a long life, 
peace be with you and peace be to your house and peace be to all that you have. Now, I have heard that you have shearers. Now, your shepherds have been with us. We have not insulted them, nor have they missed anything all the days they were in Carmel. Ask your young men and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we have come on a festive day. Please give whatever you find at hand to your servants and to your son, David. When David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in David's name. Then they waited. But Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants today who are each breaking away from his master. Shall I then take my bread, my water, and my meat that I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men whose origins I do not know? So David's young men retraced their way and went back. And they came and told him according to all these words. David said to his men, each of you gird on your sword. So each man girded on his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went up behind David while 200 stayed with the baggage. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he scorned them. Yet the men were very good to us, and we were not insulted, nor did we miss anything as long as we went about with them while we were in the fields. They were a wall to us, both by night and by day, all the time we were with them tending the sheep. Now, therefore, Know and consider what you should do, for evil is plotted against our master and against all his household. And he is such a worthless man, no one can speak to him. Then Abigail hurried and took 200 loaves of bread and two jugs of wine and five sheep already prepared and five measures of roasted grain and a 100 clusters of raisin and 200 cakes of fig and loaded them on a donkey. She said to her young men, go on before me. Behold, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. It came about as she was riding on her donkey and coming down by the hidden parts of the mountain that behold, David and his men were coming down toward her. So she met them. David had said, surely in vain, I have guarded all that this man has in the wilderness. So that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him. And he has returned me evil for good. May God do so to the enemies of David and more so also if by morning I leave as much as one male of any who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and dismounted from her donkey and fell on her face before David and bowed herself to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, on me alone, my Lord, be the blame. So please let your maidservant speak to you and listen to the words of your maidservant. Please do not let your Lord pay attention to this worthless man, Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young man of your Lord whom you sent. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has restrained you from shedding blood and from avenging yourself by your own hand. Now, then let your enemies and those who seek evil against my Lord be as Nabal. Now, let this gift from which your maidservant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who accompany my Lord. Please forgive the transgression of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make 
for my Lord and enduring house because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord and evil will not be found in you all your days. Should anyone rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, then the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord, your God, but the lives of your enemies, he will sling out as from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord does for my Lord, according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and appoints you ruler over Israel, this will not cause grief or a troubled heart to my Lord, both by having shed blood without cause and by my Lord having avenged himself. When the Lord deals well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Then David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed be your discernment and blessed be you who have kept me this day from bloodshed and from avenging myself by my own hand. Nevertheless, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from harming you, unless you had come quickly to meet me, surely there would have not been left to Nabal until the morning light as much as one male. So, David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, go up to your house in peace. See, I have listened to you and granted your request. Then Abigail came to Nabal and behold, he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him for he was very drunk. So she did not tell him anything at all until the morning light. But in the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things and his heart died within him so that he became as a stone. About 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept back his servant from evil. The Lord has also returned the evil doing of Nabal on his own head. Then David sent a proposal to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her saying, David has sent us to you to take you as his wife. She arose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, behold, your servant is a maid to wash the feet of my Lord's servants. Then Abigail quickly arose and rode on a donkey with her five maidens who attended her and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. I want to examine Nabal first. First up is Nabal. Nabal was harsh and evil in his dealings. Notice how Nabal responds to the entourage of the king who comes to his doorsteps. They're seeking provisions. They come in the name of David. And this is what Nabal says. Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? He said that there are many servants today who are breaking away from his master. But I'm curious to know, who was Nabal loyal to? Who did Nabal call king and who did Nabal serve? We already know he was a harsh man and his dealings were evil. He was a wealthy man. He had a lot of stuff. <laughs> the scripture says Nabal's actions backed up his reputation the anointed future king of israel was at his door asking him for provision and nabal scorned him 
keep in mind, David's men, about 600, were good to Nabal's men. Nabal might not have even known that while his men were out in the fields, tending the sheep in the fields, he helped and protected them. He protected and looked out for all that Nabal had. Whether Nabal knew it or not, David was there for him. Nabal had about, what, 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. That's a lot. It takes some serious manpower to guard over that much livestock. Now, I'm not sure how many men Nabal had to watch over all that belonged to Nabal in the wilderness, but David offered his men to watch over all, all that he owned. Watch over another man's stuff. David had Nabal's back and Nabal never asked for it. Not that I can see in scripture. And he didn't even meet Nabal. He didn't even know him. But David did that for him. Nabal benefited from David's protection and most likely had no clue, not even a thought of who or what was covering him. Now, the king was at Nabal's door via an entourage of young men asking for a provision. And how did Nabal respond? Unlike his wife, the wise and intelligent and beautiful <laughs> Abigail, Nabal dealt harshly with David's entourage. And by extension, David, David might as well have been at the door asking for provision himself. And that's most likely what he would have met. Nabal repaid good for evil and put all of his household, all the men in his household in danger as a result of his choices, his poor choices. Good thing a servant in Nabal's household told Abigail, told her all that was happening. The servant characterized Nabal as a worthless man that no one could speak to. Yikes. This foolish man Nabal was known among other men as worthless and someone that you couldn't even get through to. Even though the servants knew David would come and wipe them all out, Nabal seemed to have zero regard for his household, for his own life, for the life of his family, and anyone in his charge. How blind and neglectful was the posture of this foolish Nabal to have such little regard for an entire household. Enough servants and family members to have that many livestock like the man was wealthy. So I can imagine how many people were in his household that he was in charge of. And he had such little regard for them. It's scary to think that Abigail was married to such a man as this. By contrast, Abigail was, I'm trying to say Abigail because my daughter's name is Abigail. <laughs> I'm trying to make sure I pronounce that B instead of a V. But Abigail was an intelligent and beautiful woman. The scriptures say that she had already had provisions prepared. So she didn't have to spend an entire day scrambling to respond to David's request. So the servant came and told her what was happening. She didn't have to scramble and hurry up and react to the news of this ensuing danger that was coming upon her household. Homegirl was ready. She had provisions already prepared. She took 200 loaves of bread, two jugs of wine, five sheep that were already prepared, along with grain, raisins, figs, ready for David. Sister girl was ready. I imagine she was up early, tending her household, vigilant 
to what was happening in her household and the servants entrusted her. They trusted her enough to bring this news to her ear. Unlike her husband, she was a good listener. There was a level of trust among her household as to how she would deal with these types of matters when brought to her attention. She loaded up the donkey and hurried. She hurried to fall on her face before the king. That alone is a whole lesson women today should glean from. I know I have. Every time I read it, I look at that. She hurried. There is room for us to to fuss and vocalize our frustrations, but not, not before we hurry, hurry, hurry to fall on your face before the king. Take whatever the problem, frustration, heartache is to the king first before you run anywhere else. Treat it like a, it's a life and death situation. First thing out of Abigail's mouth after she falls on her face before the king is an acknowledgement. Not just, you know, bowing and face down and, oh God, oh well, this is what's happening and this is not fair and, oh, this is so hard and crying and all that. Nope. I love this part because this is where it cut me deep when I read it. And I've read this passage of scripture before, but you know how scripture kind of transforms in your life when the seasons change and how you read scripture at 20 is different from how you read at 25 and 30. And then one child, two child, three child, four (laughs) marriage, you know, if you're going through a divorce, if, if, you know, you're having losses in your family, the scriptures kind of change and transform in different seasons of your life. So when I read this, It could be different. It hit different. (laughs) I love this part. She said, on me alone be the blame. What? What? What did Abigail do? (laughs) When I read that, I read it again. I read it real slow. She said, on me alone be the blame. And, you know, sometimes as women, we can be defensive. Like, what did I do? What did I do to deserve this? And, you know, it's, it's hard to see our circumstances and what we're going through because we're so busy focused on how it is affecting us personally. We can't see uh, a hardship or something difficult for what it is because all we're focused on is, is how it feels, how it makes us feel, how it's affecting us, how it's affecting our posture. I mean, I had to go back and reread the whole chapter. And pick apart what was Abigail admitting to fault to for her on, on behalf of her or her household or her husband? What was she personally admitting fault to? I had to examine it. <laughs> now, I always have to take a step back and pray and talk to God. And as I'm reading his word, because my eyes, my ears, my heart, sometimes I can't see the wisdom of God absent of him removing the veil from my eyes and opening my eyes and undulling my ears. I can't see it. I can't hear it. I can't feel it because our own sin nature sometimes blinds us. We don't want to see it for what it is, but here's how the scripture spoke to me. Abigail said she did not see the men whom David sent. She wasn't aware of the entourage at her doorsteps. To me, she's taking accountability for the lack of vigilance. We as women, wives, and mothers have to constantly be looking to the ways of our home. We have to be present 
and we have to be aware of what is coming and what is going. Proverbs 21, 27, an excellent wife looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. I don't know exactly what the blame was for Abigail because it sounds like she was doing all the right things. It sounds like she was doing exactly what she was supposed to be doing. But nonetheless, we find her in this predicament where she has some choices to make to remedy a very dangerous situation. There's a lot that we as women, wives, and mothers can glean from Abigail. We may find ourselves in situations that are not of our doing. We can be doing everything that we're supposed to be doing for ourselves, our lives, our families, our house, our homeschool, uh, our, on our job, you know, with all the admin that we have going on. We can be totally rocking it and doing everything to the best of our ability and still find ourselves as collateral damage of the decisions of other people. We might still have to suffer because of a man's decision, our husband's decision, but that's not a license or an excuse to respond recklessly to what's happening around us. As long as we're still alive and the day is still called day, we always have an opportunity to make wise decisions that does not add to the chaos that doesn't complicate the situation and that brings honor to God in the process. After Abigail pleaded with the king to pay no mind to her worthless husband, Nabal, and she pleaded to the king to listen to her words. First of all, can we just acknowledge the fact that she's in front of a king? Can we just acknowledge the fact that David has an entourage of men what I think he had 600 he took 400 with him that he was going to go and pretty much slaughter Nabal's household so here we have this lone woman on her face in front of a king and all these men who were girded up strapped up ready to take lives and she appealed to the king to listen to her words she didn't have any weapons on her she was not strapped (laughs) she came bearing gifts And she asked for the king's ear. Women, we have more power and influence than we realize. We have more influence than any other platform on social media, than any amount of likes and clicks or status reports from the culture approving us that we're doing great on social media. Forget all about that. God said in Proverbs chapter 16, 21, the wise in heart will be called understanding and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Abigail was making intercession to the king who had the power to destroy her entire household. She interceded on behalf of the folly that was going on in her house. Wow. How blessed is the man who has a woman at home, a wife at home, interceding on his behalf. How blessed is the woman who she could have been whining and complaining, gossiping to her maidservants, just spitting around, just running her mouth all over town, complaining about her situation and whoa, why always me? What am I going to do? But what did this woman choose to do? 
she chose to be face down on her knees, pretty much praying and begging the king to have mercy on her household. That's, that's where she chose to be. She chose to run towards what was coming at her household. And she chose to put her face down on her knees and plead to the king. Ciao. This lesson touches me deeply because hubby and I are building a legacy for our family. We are creating a template that prayerfully our children will model with their children and their children and so on and so on. We're not teaching them new information. It's nothing new that hasn't already been revealed in scripture. But for us as parents, it's a new model. We're modeling for them something that was not modeled for us. And we're teaching as we learn and know better. It's like we learn better. Now we know better. Now we teach better. Notice a petition of Abigail's heart as she addresses the king to pretty much spare the life of her husband and all the men in her household. Compare it to how we bring our petitions to God. Compare it to the posture of our hearts when we come to God with whatever's troubling us. Abigail is an example for us as women, wives and mothers to model after. We would be wise to periodically review 1 Samuel chapter 25. That is why God saw fit to include Abigail's name in the canon of scripture. But did Abigail stop David from taking vengeance into his own hands? Nope. God did. And Abigail acknowledges that fact in front of David and all his men. That is power. Abigail is face down. She doesn't have any weapons on her. And she's in front of a king and all his entourage appealing to and speaking truth to the incumbent king of Israel. Jesus intercedes when we're about to fall into folly, doesn't he? He whispers to our hearts and says, no, 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 don't do that. Girl, stop it. Hey, 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 bro, that, that ain't the way. Don't go that way. That ain't smart. You better not. <laughs> That's how he talks to me. That's how God gets a hold of my heart. He's just like, you better not do that. Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is, is our intercession. The Holy Spirit intercedes when we're about to fall into folly and wreck our lives and wreck our family and destroy our legacy. He restrains us just as Abigail reminded David that the Lord was restraining him from killing Nabal and all the men in his household. As frustrated and annoying as marriage and family and whole life and homeschooling and, and children and building a legacy as, as frustrating as all that may be, take heart. God sees us. He intercedes for us. He restrains us when we're about to do something foolish and he's already working it out for our good. We just have to have ears to hear and eyes to see, and a heart to obey. We don't have to take vengeance in our own hands. Actually, the Bible commands us not to. 
Abigail bowed down before a king who had the power of life and death over her, her household. And she reminds David, not by your own hands, don't do this. Let your enemies be like Nabal. Let your enemies be, just be foolish. They, they, it, it is what it is. They're just foolish. They're worthless. And those whom we can't get through to, they're not listening. You can't get through to foolishness. It's like throwing your pearls at swine. Just don't do it. Don't go that way. Abigail came before a king, bowing low in humility with nothing but the power of wisdom and the soundness of her words to intercede for her household. Whew, child. She brought to David what his men were asking Nabal for provisions. Simple as that. She just brought what the men were asking for. There you go. Easy day. We're done. She asked for forgiveness and reminded David where the real fight was. Don't waste your energy on the worthless and the foolish, the worthless and the foolish inside your home and the worthless and the foolish outside your home. Don't waste your energy. Remember where the fight is. There is a real battle that's happening that needs our undivided attention. It's all about an enduring house. Read the chapter again. An enduring house. That's where the battle is. Evil cannot be found in us if we want God to bless our marriage. Evil cannot be in us if we want God to bless our our growing families or If we want to create a legacy that we want for future generations to model after, we have to purge it from our hearts. We have to purge it from our spirits. We have to purge it from the very space that we occupy in our homes. We fight the battles of the Lord when we resist the temptation to pass on those generational curses, that foolishness. That's where the battle is, not in the worthless when we're vigilant and watching over our house and responding well, when folly comes to our attention, we're officially in the battle. We are distracted and we're not in the battle when we're spinning around, chasing our tails, giving too much attention to the superficial, the worthless, those that smoke screen of uh, a situation that you think is turning your world upside down the petty, the things that we don't have any control over. Okay, maybe there's something legitimately that's that's happening to you that is genuinely affecting you. There's still a choice. We can still look to see what is within our power to control and then give the rest to God and just trust him with it because he, he makes intercession for us and he avenges us. David acknowledged Abigail by blessing her. The king acknowledged her discernment and her actions that kept him, a king, from avenging himself and shedding blood. He granted her request and, oh, I love this part. She went home in peace. She did not go home and pick an argument with her husband who was throwing a party fit for a king. By the way, peace is something you can't pay for. Going home in peace. Like, okay, let's, let's take a step back for a second. Abigail was minding her own business. <laughs> she was, she was 
tending to her household, doing what she do every day. And all of a sudden the servant came and told her about, oh no, we all going to die. She packed up her provisions that she already had ready and she interceded for her, her household, the men in her household, her, her foolish husband. She encountered the king. She pleaded and reminded the king, hey, God has bigger things for you. Don't do this. Don't waste your time. He blesses her. Now this chick, excuse me, Abigail, <laughs> I'm taking, got to bring it back. Abigail is going home knowing I petitioned for my home. I pleaded with the king. The king granted my request. He said, yes. And just think of that donkey ride home for Abigail, the peace that's over her house that she pretty much saved their lives. And that peace is just something that you can't pay for. Only God can grant you the, that's why he's the, the prince of peace, that feeling of security and safety. Only he can, can give us that. And then she comes home and she opens the door and here go this fool. She just saved her whole household. And what's this fool doing? He's throwing a party fit for a king. He's such an imposter. <laughs> this fool was eating and drinking, totally unaware that David and a whole entourage of men was coming to his doorstep to kill him and every man in his household. What did Abigail do? She took her butt to bed and she didn't say a word. Smart girl. I love this chick. I love her. She told him in the morning when she had his full attention. How did God deal with Abigail's foolish husband? The Lord returned the evil doing of Nabal on his own head. Nabal died and Abigail became David's wife. She and her five maidens got an upgrade. <laughs> Unfortunately, God saw fit to include Nabal in the canon of scripture also. Not because he honored God in his actions and speech as Abigail did, but because he was a fool. God uses fools, y'all. <laughs> that sounded too country. He uses fools to teach us lessons. I'm not sure about you, but I wouldn't want to be used as an example of what not to do to that extreme. I know I've made some mistakes in my life, but goodness gracious. I mean, Nabal was the epic example of a foolish husband. Yikes. Not only was he a fool in life, but he was a fool in death. Abigail married a king after her foolish husband died. She didn't know her circumstances would improve. For all we know, Abigail was just going about her business. She was just living her day to day. She was married to this foolish man. She had no sense of if she would ever get a relief from this marriage and from this life. And there was nothing she could do other than to keep her focus on being obedient to God, honoring her marriage vows and tending to the welfare of her household, everybody in it. And even when the time came appealing to the King to save her foolish husband from death. Wow, she didn't know. She Listen, she could have easily went to the king and said, save me. But no, that's not where her heart was. She was totally devoted to this man, even though he was foolish. It's so important to examine the neglect 
of Nabal and the response of his intelligent and beautiful wife, Abigail, because in today's culture, our first instinct when we're not happy, when we're not content, when things are not going our way is not favorable. We're not happy on our jobs. We're not happy with our life circumstances in our marriage, in our home life. Our first instinct is to whine and plead for all the wrong reasons to all the wrong people. We plead for help. We plead for sympathy. We want attention before running to God, before presenting our plea before the king who knows. He knows what we're going through. He knows what we need. He sees our hardship and he is just ready to provide that relief, the answer, and possibly an upgrade. (laughs) Here's an AC Pearl to wrap up the segment. We have a king who we can run to. The wise wife runs to the king and puts her face on the ground and makes intercession for her household. The wise wife uses her influence and uses the posture of her heart to save lives, to intercede for the chaos that may be going on in our home or coming towards us outside of our home. The wise wife is vigilant. She pays attention to what's going on in and around her home, what's going on, what's happening. She's up early. She's not eating the bread of idleness. Matter of fact, she got bread prepared. She got provisions prepared for when some poop hit the fan, she's ready to go. Because she's been up. She's been vigilant. She's been praying. She's been ready. So it's not going to be a, a manic response. That, oh, no, something, something's going on. Oh. No, she's ready. She's measured and she's ready to take action on behalf of her household. That's a wise wife. She holds it down. She gangster, if you think about it. <laughs> a wise wife takes accountability for where maybe she wasn't so vigilant. You can be doing all the right things, be in all the right places and still miss something. That's okay. That's, that's perfectly okay. A wise wife is humble and she's still prepared to acknowledge, oh, I missed that. Hmm. When it comes to her attention, she's ready to say, yep, I missed that. Mm-mm. But I got it now because I was ready. Because we're not perfect beings. We're not all knowing. We're not all seeing. So it's okay if we miss something. And because the posture of your heart was already prepared and vigilant and ready, we can securely acknowledge I missed it but I'm here now my bad you can still save your legacy you can still preserve your legacy but you have to acknowledge where there was a misstep where there was a blind spot where you just couldn't see thank God for the people that you have in your life to whisper in your ear to whisper in your heart the things that you couldn't see Thank God for the people around you that are willing and bold enough to tell you where you've missed something, where you didn't see, where you couldn't see, where you didn't hear. 
I didn't hear that. I didn't see this. Thank God for the people that had the courage to come to you. Don't bite people's head off because they're telling you things that you don't want to hear. Thank God for them. Especially if it's true. Don't waste your time running around pleading to people and fighting for circumstances that don't honor God and don't further the kingdom of God or your legacy, the things that you're saving up and trying to pass down to your children. Don't waste your time on foolishness. Remember the battle. The battle is not in the worthless. The battle is not in the foolish. It's all about an enduring house. That's where our focus should be. Don't be the foolish that God uses as an example to teach the wise. Don't be foolish, Nabal. Women can be foolish, Nabal, too. Don't be foolish, Nabal. A wise woman builds her house, but a, a foolish woman can tear it down with her own hands. That's what the scripture says. So women can be Nabal's, too. We're not focused on the men. I'm a, I'm a woman. I'm a wife. I'm a mommy. I'm worried about searching the scriptures for how this applies in my context. Don't, don't be so focused on what that man is doing. Focus on what you should be doing. That's what a wise wife does. Remember that God has entrusted you with this life in this season, with those beautiful babies, with that wonderful man, no matter how flawed he may be. He has entrusted you with this legacy. You have such a huge gift and a huge responsibility. It is a lot. And sometimes your heart can be so heavy because you have the righteous burden of building a legacy as the woman of your house, as the wise wife, and as the teaching mama. You've got a lot to do in this lifetime and we don't have much time. But guess what? Here's the great news. God is making intercession for you. He's already teaching you. He's already whispering what you need to know. All you have to do is have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to obey. You got this. All right, that concludes the conversation for today. I trust the podcast encourages you to continue the conversation in your family circle. Stop by my IG and Facebook page at ACS Visions. Show me some love, share your comments on the episode and how this podcast is encouraging you. You can also visit my website at www.acsvisions.com. You'll find a link to send me an email if you'd like to show your support that way. As a reminder, episodes are published every Thursday. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow on your favorite podcasting platform so you get notified the moment a new episode drops. Thank you for listening to the AC Visions Family Talk Podcast. Until next time.